Happy Monday, Dave. What a historic day ahead of us. Yeah, what a historic day. I was worried about you. I saw the news about the oil prices. Uh, how are you? How are you holding up? Uh, well, as you can probably imagine, I'm pretty, pretty frightened. Uh, you know, a little, a little scared, but I have been doing some reading. I have done some research and, uh, well, we got to look for June and I'll get into that soon. But for now, uh, why don't, why don't we introduce ourselves again to the viewers out there and talk a little about how they can listen to us. Dave? Sure. Yeah, so hello, everyone. Uh, again, in case you haven't listened before, my name is Dave Taylor. I am a junior at Johns Hopkins University um, and one of the co-hosts of Quarantine Today. And uh, Nick, uh, everyone knows your name is Nick, I guess, but uh, do you want to introduce yourself for everyone else? Sure thing. My name is Nick Kadrusani. I'm a sophomore at Colorado School of Mines, or as it's properly known as now, Zoom. I'm majoring <laughs> in petroleum engineering, which as of today, April 20th, 2020, it's a very historic day, and I am also a co-host of Quarantine Today. Now, you can listen to us and find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as some other streaming services. Um, but, Dave, I, I guess we should tell our viewers about what today's segment is going to hold. Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to be touching on a few different things. So the first thing we want to discuss is a little bit of background on the 1918 Influenza, also known uh, colloquially as the Spanish flu, because we feel that there are a lot of important parallels from that uh, outbreak to what's happening today with the coronavirus. So after that, we're going to dive right in with our resident oil expert, Nick, to talk about the historic falls in oil prices today, um, a little bit on protests against stay-at-home orders, and then closing up with some NFL draft talk. So yeah, we are very excited, and I guess, Nick, should we start it off with the Spanish flu? Yes, sir. I think we should. So um, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit about how it began. If you want to add on to what I say, that would be excellent. Cool. All right. So the Spanish flu came about in 1918. That's when the first real big outbreak happened. Now, historians are still kind of debating whether or not it started in the United States or Europe. Uh, but we do know that when it did start in Europe, um, or, okay, if we assume that it started in Europe, a lot of different countries decided to uh, minimize the amount of reporting and the amount of published pu publications of news regarding death tolls, infected, and how people were reacting because of the virus. And the only country that really was liberal with its news and how it was portraying it for the world was Spain. And that is one of the reasons why the name Spanish flu came about because uh, they really did talk about it a lot there. They talked about how it had an effect on the king at the time. And Dave, you want to talk about it a bit more? Sure. Yeah. So I thought one of the um, fascinating things that I learned about the Spanish flu is that um, it hit some of the very highest levels of world leadership. So for example, King Alfonso of Spain uh, became critically ill due to this flu. President Woodrow Wilson of the United States got it. And in all, it is estimated to have had roughly 500 million cases around the world, with anywhere between 17 and 50 million deaths. Interestingly, it was created by a, or was caused by a strain of the H1N1 virus, which many of you growing up in this contemporary media environment may know as also the origin of the swine flu in 2009. And it was really took a shockingly devastating toll on both the United States and the world 
it when it first hit the, the average life expectancy and i'm pulling up the statistics now from uc berkeley the average life expectancy for american adults decreased by 12 years between 1917 and 1918 so for men the life expectancy went down from 48 years to 36 years. And for women, it went down from 54 years to 42 years. And as many people are fearing may happen with the coronavirus, it is its most deadly work occurred in the fall of 1918 when it had a very horrifying sounding um, effect of turning people's skin blue and filling their lungs with fluid so they would suffocate and die. It sounds very horrifying. And, yeah, I would say that this is one of the it was clearly the most influential pandemic in modern world history until the coronavirus, which we're all now dealing with. And I guess, Nick, do you want to kind of just continue on the Spanish flu and its parallels to today? Yeah, yeah, I think I think the parallels are quite frightening. I think the realism between the two, the fact that they're so connected kind of startles me because it's 2020 and that happened in 1918. I think that the technology today would have some sort of impact on, uh, on stopping it, on, on preventing that much of a spread, but um, here it is. It, it didn't, but the parallels, big parallels we see is back then 1918, we also saw stores, businesses, schools closing down to avoid the spread of the, the flu. Additionally, we saw a lot of people we have, there's many photographs out there of people wearing masks and trying to keep themselves safe from contracting it. As we now see today, if you try to go to Walmart, or if you just try to go out, if you're in a state like New Jersey, like us, you have to wear a mask and gloves. It's just common courtesy. I think it might even be required by law. No, no, it's not required by law, but only if you're going in a grocery store. Okay, exactly. Yeah. So, so it is, it is required by law. If you're going to go into a closed store, um, sorry, not, exposed to the sun and the air. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And another interesting thing that um, I learned when doing a little bit of background on the Spanish flu is that really there were no effective vaccines against this. Like now a lot of the discussion today is when will this vaccine be ready for the coronavirus? Most likely in a year to 18 months. And the first flu vaccine in the United States was not developed until the 1940s. So what this means is that the way that society eventually had to ride out this disease is that a certain number of people either had to die or become immune from it. And that's how it kind of passed along from society, which would be a pretty horrifying outcome if it was replicated today. Thank God for advances in modern medicine that have allowed for vaccines. And yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Continue. continue. Okay. Um, to, to elaborate on that, um, there were people who tried to come out with vaccines. Now these weren't, FDA approved, obviously, or CDC approved, but there were vaccines that were advertised to company employees, people who needed to work and needed a way to get back into the working world took these vaccines. And I mean, rarely did they have the effect of curing them from the Spanish flu or preventing the Spanish flu from um, afflicting them. But this, I, I think this pandemic really brought about the, the stir and the, 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 the motivation towards starting vaccines for future viruses and different illnesses that could we that could be prevented because of a vaccine that really opened the world's eyes to it and at this point world war 1 was still something on everyone's mind so it it was a bad combo to have oh yeah that is very true 
thank God there is not a global war. I guess I'm trying to find silver linings in this moment, but thank God there's not a current major global war involving the world powers. And I guess one more thing that was interesting to me about the Spanish flu was just the fact that it had such a high mortality rate. So usually when you're looking at an influenza outbreak or a pandemic, it kills just very young people and very old people um, most prominently. But the thing about the Spanish flu that was unique is that it had a very high mortality rate across the board, um, especially regarding young adults. So this obviously had very devastating effects both on society and on the economy of uh, the global economy. So in that way, I guess you could say it was a little different than the modern coronavirus because the coronavirus is, well, clearly anyone can be affected and um, be even killed by it. It disproportionately targets the elderly and people who are immunocompromised. So I guess that would be one final insight that I found uh, interesting about the, the Spanish flu. Nick, do you have any additional thoughts on Spanish flu before we move to your favorite topic of oil? Just to add on to your point and to agree with you, I really do hope that we do find a vaccine. And this, this flu or this, this va- the virus that we're facing right now, I hope it doesn't affect us and end the way the Spanish flu ended with us riding it out and people either becoming immune because of exposure or because the people who had it died. I, I hope that's not the reality of it. And I'm optimistic that a vaccine will be made and found. Yes. Yes, we we certainly hope that very much. So, Nick, now now comes the moment I've been waiting. I've been waiting to discuss this with you today. I looked at the news and I saw the price of oil was plummeting. And then I saw by the end of the day that you could now the price of one barrel of oil is now negative thirty seven dollars. So I guess could you kind of explain like what the hell is happening right now? Like, I don't I don't understand why the well, I have a vague idea, like I've read some articles, and I think I have a general idea of why the oil market bottomed out, but could you kind of explain to our listeners, like, what the hell is going on? Um, should we be concerned? Is there a way that we can be paid to take a barrel of oil? Like, I don't know, the floor is yours. These are all great questions, Dave. These are all questions that are pressing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans today. And yeah, I... I... I should just jump right into it. Uh, So as Dave said, today was a historic day in our world because today WTI crude, which is known to be West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, plummeted to negative $37 per barrel. That is how it closed. As of now, it's updating to be like a dollar and three cents. So what caused this? A lot of people are just curious as to how did this happen all of a sudden in one day? Well, as, you, as you've been seeing during the coronavirus season, there have been two different things that have been really driving oil prices down. One being the coronavirus and quarantine lockdown procedures and just ways people are avoiding travel. That's hurting a large demand in oil. Additionally, another thing that's really bringing down oil prices was uh oh now i'm blanking on it i'm sorry is it the um the war the price war between saudi arabia and russia thank you dave thank you that is exactly what it is there's a price war going on right now between saudi arabia and russia uh because russia is trying to hold out because they're they're convinced that they can still produce at a very low oil price 
And Saudi Arabia is trying to fight it out with them because Saudi Arabia is a very large exporter of oil and producer of oil. So them and Russia both have a very big say on smaller countries that are in OPEC and how they are affected by the oil prices. They're trying to determine how that goes. Now, a country that kind of matters right now in this midst and it's been kind of affected was Canada. Today, Canada had to stop producing crude because they could no longer, it it was no longer uh, feasible. That's at least what I've been hearing. And I've been trying to find news articles about that to back up where this came from, if they were closed for the entire day or just a few hours. But that's what I've been hearing. That's the word on the street. And it's have, it's definitely had a big effect on everybody. Uh, I think the Department of Energy has been talking about starting to pay producers of oil to not produce oil, to literally just stand there and let it stay in the ground so that the economy doesn't completely tank. Uh, And the big reason why today prices went down into the negatives is because oil storage units in America, space has essentially run out. So there's no more... There, there are no more ways to store oil that has been drilled. And obviously that's not being used right now because of the quarantine, because of the virus. Uh, so that's when they plummeted today. Okay. Now, what, do, what does that negative, what does those negative prices actually mean? Those negative prices actually reflect the May contract that oil prices are, oil prices, oil is traded per month and the contract for May, which expires this week, had a large and drastic effect because of that, because of those negative numbers. And let me rephrase that, not a large and drastic effect, but it did have an effect, maybe not drastic, but an effect. Now, what's really curious for analysts and, and the public is what does this mean for the June contract? Because as of today, uh, the June contract was trading $20 per barrel for oil. And that is something that's important to watch because June demand will determine the future of oil prices and obviously the future of the economy because it's been announced, as we've all been predicting, we're in a recession now. I guess, Nick, so just to jump in very quickly, can you kind of explain, um, probably just um, as a common person like me who doesn't know about the the specifics of the contract, could you kind of just walk through what basically what this contract is and how it kind of has an effect on the prices. Dave, to be honest with you, I can't walk through the contract today because I haven't done enough extensive research on it. Um, It's something that I was just learning about recently in school. And it's something that I want to have enough accurate information to talk about, but the basic understanding that I can get that I've gotten, this may be uh, a bit wrong, but think for the most part it's right yeah is that contracts exist between the government and uh, companies and these contracts kind of sway the price of oil and how oil is distributed to different consumers across the nation as well as the world okay um these, these contracts kind of dictate the prices of oil and the general trend of oil through the world Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. That, that actually, that did help. That did um, help me understand it more. So thank you. And I guess kind of, again, like I'm oil and gas is much more Nick's specialty than mine. I'm like, honestly, like, don't like, I've only taken like economics classes. I haven't really taken any 
specific courses on the oil market. But I guess just as a student of international relations, um, one of the things that really fascinates me by this is the potential ramifications it could have for states whose economies are primarily dependent on oil. So we talked about Saudi Arabia, Russia, I guess even Canada, but particularly certain like so-called petro states like Saudi Arabia and Russia tend to have authoritarian rulers. And these rulers don't feel as responsible to their citizens um, because they can rely on these oil revenues. And as such, they don't need to tax their populations and tax systems naturally build systems of accountability with your public. And without these oil revenues, we've already seen that a drying up of the oil market can be devastating to a country like Venezuela, which essentially collapsed after uh, the system of oil revenues built by Hugo Chavez fell apart under the rule of Nicolas Maduro. And now, if you look at Russia and Saudi Arabia, for example, they have two of my least favorite autocratic leaders in the world, uh, Vladimir Putin, who I'm sure everyone is probably familiar with, and Mohammed bin Salman, who was responsible for the murder of the Washington Post-affiliated journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And it'll be interesting to see whether there is any kind of domestic uprising or tumult in these oil-rich countries. I guess Iran is another autocratic country that relies a lot on oil. And just something that I'll be watching in the coming weeks is will these autocrats take steps to either strengthen their power or diversify their economies or, frankly, face insurrection? Because if this situation doesn't get under control very soon, a lot of them, like Russia in particular, has a very weak economy other than oil and could be subject to some vast uh, internal internal power shocks if this oil crisis is not... um, mitigated in some way that's true i mean it's definitely going to have an impact on different nations and the way they operate and the way that they can have an effect on the world i wanted to clarify something actually on that on those oil contracts because i feel like i may have explained them uh, a bit uh, a bit wrongly Go for so it. i just wanted to revise my statements so uh, those oil contracts exist between oil producers and oil buyers. And the oil buyers are oil refineries. So as you know, oil that comes straight out of the ground cannot be used directly by us. It can't just immediately be thrown into a car or a plane or used to make plastic. It has to go through a chemical refinery. And in that chemical refinery, it's then made to be used for gasoline or plastic or uh, different lotions and stuff like that. Uh, So what I said earlier, there does sort of exist because the government is involved with the regulation of these contracts in a certain sense to make sure, uh, as we know from the past, nobody's monopolizing. Everyone has a fair say in and prices are fair. So the contract really exists between oil producers and oil consumers, um, refineries, and, and the government is a mediator there that makes sure that everything goes well. Okay. That, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. So this is, yeah. So obviously this is a very historic day for the oil market. I believe it's the first time ever American oil prices have gone into the negatives. So I guess just Nick as personally, like someone who's interested in going into the oil and gas industry, are you, are you concerned about the future? Like, do you feel, do you feel like, how are you doing? Are you feeling okay about your future? I guess. So I'm trying to keep an optimistic head that by 2022, when I'm expected to graduate, I will be seeing the upturn of the economy, the economy on the rebound, trying to go back up and jobs will be coming out because 
there's a growing demand and there's a growing market in the oil and gas industry. I think a lot of people who are graduating this year, this summer, um, they're really nervous and they're worried because I know a lot of my friends who had internships with oil and gas companies, their internships were canceled. Um, as of now, mine's been thrown virtually online. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, fingers crossed that, I mean, a, a negative, negative prices is something we've never seen. It's a historic day, truly. Uh, and, and hopefully it doesn't affect larger companies as much. Um, but I wanted to talk about one other thing about oil prices and then I say we can move on. Um, so I saw something and I'm pretty sure this is accurate because I read it on a news article, uh, from oilprice.com. And they said that China, a country that's sort of recovering, or, or they say they're recovering because of, um, you know, falsifying coronavirus records. They say they're recovering. They're planning and they've been buying oil uh, stocks, commodities in different countries to try to get a foothold there because right now oil prices are so low that if they do it now when oil prices are high again, they'll have a pretty strong influence around the world. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we've really seen China has been extending their global tentacles of influence, I guess, around the world. There's been a lot of different programs they've done. Like the Belt and Road Initiative is the one that's the most prominent in trying to expand their global influence. And I definitely think that in the future we should have a broader conversation on the role of China as a rising global power. And I guess um, I guess with that, um, I, I know originally we said we might talk about uh, protests against stay-at-home orders in the United States, but I'm feeling like maybe for now we should push that to the next episode and talk about the NFL draft, which is upcoming this Friday, unless you have anything, any closing thoughts on the oil market. No, I think we will see a historic week ahead of us, but okay, Dave, let me first start off by saying April is a month of surprise and shock and lives off, lives up to the 2020 name. Okay. Because April has now been when oil prices dipped into the negatives and Kim Jong-un has died. Holy shit. So for context, for all of you listening at home, we just finished the recording the podcast and we did a final segment on the NFL draft that is very likely going to be cut now because as we were editing the pod, we, we saw news that apparently has now been confirmed by NBC News that the leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, has been declared brain dead. So just wow. I don't, I don't even know what to say beyond wow. Like Nick, what is what is your initial reaction to this? Crazy. I mean, okay, so so my initial reaction is of doubt, uh, obviously, because um, I don't really know. I'm looking at news networks right now, and nobody has confirmed his death. A lot of news networks are saying that they are seeing that he's in grave danger after his surgery. Um, NBC, someone tweeted, he's brain dead, as you said, uh, but I don't know if that qualifies as him. I, I would say being brain dead is dead, but I yeah. don't know if that's something that <laughs> North Korea really wanted to advertise now. If that's something they wanted to let slip now, I think they might live or go with the pretense that he's still alive for a little bit before they pick a successor. Uh, what do you, what do you have to say, Dave? Yeah. So leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un was the son 
of Kim Jong-il, who died after a long reign in 2011, I believe. And Kim Jong-un, uh, I guess now dead, was 36 years old, I believe. Let me look that up very quickly. And doing on-the-spot research, he was 36 he, years he old. He was 36, yeah. And, yeah, this is shocking because, to my knowledge, North Korea does not have a clear succession plan in the midst in the midst of this coronavirus global pandemic. So it will really be very interesting to see who takes over North Korea. The first immediate, my instinct, and this is probably wrong, but is there a chance that there was foul play involved in this surgery that killed someone at such a young age? I know he was already, I've heard reports that he was um, in poor physical health. However, it will be shot, very interesting to see if the North Korean military tries to fight over control of the country. It'll be interesting to see whether China tries to make some kind of power play or if the United States and South Korea try to, in the, I think it's very unlikely, or if, if they try to search troops into the country. But this is really just the latest development in a shocking 2020. Yeah, I, I'm I'm speechless. You know, my 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 initial reaction, as I said, was of doubt. But I mean, uh, brain dead is brain dead uh, yep. is dead. You know, uh, my question is, what implications does this have? Because as you said, who knows? Maybe maybe this was foul play. Uh, we we can't rule anything off the table. They haven't even had enough time to officially declare him dead on Google. Okay, yeah. so um. We, we don't know what's happening with this country now, because uh, as far as I know, Dave, I don't I don't see many strong allies of North Korea. Am I mistaken in that? You are not mistaken. North Korea is an extremely poor and isolated country. It has been one of the leading, um, the most repressive totalitarian regimes in the world. And I guess the closest ally, excuse me, if you want to call it that, is China. But really, it's a country that does not have many friends on the global stage. Right. But so my concern is, uh, as, as you are probably well aware of, uh, actually, yes, you are aware of World War One was started, uh, supposedly started. And it's been proven that it's been started by the assassination of Arch Ferdinand Duke. Right. Or Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Yes. Yes. My bad. Um, could this potentially end up being a global catastrophe, a nightmare that um, could play out? through several different nations, if, if China, per se, tries to take a power move and tries to take North Korea, will other countries step in to try to prevent that? I, I, I mean, Dave, what, what do you see kind of, if we're just letting our imaginations run at it, what do you think could happen? Yeah, yeah let's, let's absolutely let our imaginations run wild in this moment where, again, there's no full, full confirmation. It seems very likely that he's dead, but there's no full, full confirmations. Confirmations, excuse me. My mind is racing, but yeah, if we're just going to play around a little bit, I guess some the most likely cap, um, circumstance is probably that some North Korean general, whoever has the most power within their military, is going to take over the country. Another one is, as we um, we both talked about a bit, is that China has already been trying to expand its global influence. You could see them attempt to surge their military into North Korea and take some kind of temporary that occupation that could become permanent. Or you could very unlikely, I believe, that the U.S. would get involved in the midst of this crisis. But with Trump in charge, you never know. And I guess one final one. This this is one that just popped into my head, but this would be the most hopeful. Is that if someone in the North Korean military or a cabal in the military takes control and 
essentially negotiates a reunification of Korea with probably you'd have to involve at least South Korea, Japan, the United States, China, and potentially Russia in these talks. But if this can be finally a moment for national unification in Korea, that would be a great outcome. But I don't know of, of those scenarios and even any potential other ones I may miss. Like, Nick, what do you think? What If your imagination's running, like, what are you thinking right now? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really, you pointed out a very, very valid statement that our administration right now is hard to predict. It's very hard to see what the future could hold. Um, if this news proves to be true and not just fake, this would be a very world-changing event because Kim Jong-un has a daughter and she would be his surviving heir if this was passed on to his daughter. But she's, what is she? She's seven or nine. Oof. She's nine. Uh, and that does not seem like the best way to. Oh, no, she's seven. She's seven. Born in 2013. Uh, at seven years old, trying to take over a country is definitely going to be tough. Uh, I, I will even say impossible because there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of assassination attempts on the family to take them out of power, not just from within North Korea, but surrounding them from the world. Yes, I believe, yeah, I believe even in some of the um, old um, monarchies and dynasties, both in Europe and in Asia, I know sometimes there would be an, a child heir that would be eventually slated to take over. But usually someone else in the government would take over an interim role. But I really doubt, like you said, there's no way a seven-year-old is going to run this country. And I really doubt that the people in this country who are now, I'm sure, all jockeying for power are going to allow a seven-year-old to take over. And it's very likely that whatever happens, we're going to see a monumental leadership change in North Korea, something that the country was totally unprepared for, in my, would be my guess. And we will... Honestly, who, especially in the midst of a pandemic, having this happen, who, who, who's to say? Who even knows what the hell is going to happen with this? Like, this is so shocking. But honestly, with the 2020 that started with World War Three being discussed with the crisis with Iran, having a global pandemic, having the price of oil now fall to a negative number, and now the death apparent, the alleged death of the leader of North Korea. I don't, I don't even know what to say at this point anymore, Nick. This is just crazy. I, you know, I'm scared to even ask, but what would May, what will May hold? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I, I just hope we can all survive 2020 at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, the way it's going, November is going to be a Noah's Ark sort of situation scenario. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, yeah. Wow, all right. So I guess, I don't know, do you, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to need a little bit to process this, but do you have any final thoughts before we sign off for now? Yeah. I just want to point out to our listeners out there, if this ends up, you know, he, he's, he's in grave danger. He's not actually dead. We're just going off of the facts that we have right now. And this yeah. is, we're speculating. So might look outdated. He's not dead. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, we're, we're speculating on what could happen if he is confirmed dead. This is not necessarily at all what will happen because um, we, we're two undergraduate students at, in college. So we don't actually know what's going to happen. So don't hold us to this. In the- yeah, if this ends up aging poorly, don't hold us to this. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just keep your eye out for international politics now. What could this mean for the economy, too, if we go to war? This could be Trump's way of 
it, it, this could be his FDR moment where he gets. No, don't do not say it. <laughs> don't even say it. Don't don't scare me like that, Nick. Hey, if we're letting our imaginations run wild, it's definitely a possibility. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Well. I guess on that. I guess on that very scary but very appropriate for 2020 note. I guess we're gonna sign off for now, but we hope you all are well. Probably by the time you hear this, there will be more information on what actually happened here. And I guess uh, be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Enjoy your week.